Hi everyone, and welcome to She Said, She Said. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. My special guest today is the amazing Janine Turner. Janine is an Emmy-nominated actress, a poet, a singer, an author. She is the host of a radio show as well as a terrific podcast. She's an amazing human being. She's also the co-founder of an organization called Constituting America and she's working to spread the word about the importance of civics education. We're gonna talk about that, but we're also gonna talk about Janine's tremendous faith and overcoming adversity, how that was a very important component of her recovery. And I think it's such an appropriate conversation to have right now. Janine, welcome to She Said, She Said. My pleasure, thank you, via Zoom, here we go. Exactly, well, I've been such a big fan for such a long, long time, and while I knew you originally as an actress, not personally, but knew of you, but now I admire you even more because of all the amazing things that you're doing to make the world a better place. So thank you for being here today. Well, thank you, and thank you for your wonderful show. It's just terrific, and it's my honor, especially with a fellow Texan. <laughs> Hook them, exactly. <laughs> so Janine is joining us from her ranch uh, in Texas, in Colleyville, Texas, and so we're really delighted to have her here via Zoom. We'll be uh, providing this content both on the She Said, She Said podcast platform as well as on our new YouTube channel, so it's very exciting. Janine, I thought a great place to start this conversation. You are involved in so many amazing activities, but because of this moment in time right now, and so many people are hurting and facing real adversity, you have faced real adversity and talked very publicly about your experience, largely with addiction. And I thought this would be a great place to start this conversation to get your thoughts on things that have been helpful to you as you have made this journey. You've been sober for 34 years? 33, it'll be 34 on May 28th. Mm -hmm. Congratulations, that's amazing. Well, as I was joking with you earlier, I, I claim it now. I, I just say, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, well, and I don't know if congratulations is the right, the right word, but that's, it's an amazing accomplishment. Well, I, I find that, you know, I, I'm 57 and I'll be 58 in December and I have, I'll have, I have 33 years, 34 in a couple months. And um, it, it's interesting because it, going through midlife is, uh, is almost as equally, sobriety is, uh, has a whole new chapter to it, just, just as it did when I first got sober. So it's, it's not like I ever think, I, and I never did drugs, you know, but, but uh, alcoholism is one of these cyclical familial genetic issues in my family. I mean, I can go all the way back to my great, great, great grandpa who was writing letters to his sons he, back in the 1840s saying, boys, stay away from John Barleycorn. He wrote this entire letter and about his, his withdrawal from it and how he would see snakes and raccoons on his bed and, and the, the pictures in the painting would change color, you know, become morphed. And, People with white coats were waiting. So, you know, it's, uh, it was interesting that he would even say that to his sons. So it goes way, way back. And I got sober very early at age 23 um, with lots of, it's a long story, but how, well, I'll tell you one story. I was engaged to be married to Alec Baldwin, which I just always say, because people think that's fun. You know, I knew him when, when he was just off a soap opera. I don't even know which one it was. And I was on General Hospital. 
you know, he had his own problem with addictions, which is his story to tell, but he started going to a 12 step program and we had the, I had the invitations. I had the dress. Um, we were a month out from the wedding, but alarm bells were going off my head, which I always believe comes from God where I was thinking, this is not healthy. What's happening here. This is cyclical. This, this is not right. And, um, he was dealing with his own addiction. I was drinking at the time. But he started a 12 step, 12 step program. And so then I started going to, to a 12 step program, which is more Al-Anon based. It was, uh, you know, it's called Coconon because it was about cocaine. You know, I don't even think that existed anymore, but at the time it did at Hollywood, you know, <laughs> in the eighties. Um, and uh, I, I, a couple of years later, I got sober. So I can look at that breakup when we decided not to get married and how tormenting that was for me and how devastating I me mean, when you're in love and, he was my first love and we were engaged and we had the wedding dress and everything. And then that's torn apart. I wept for a couple of years over Linda Ronstadt's Gershwin album, you know, but then I found sobriety. And so now I can look back at that and say through that devastation, um, I found sobriety. So I, I always think life is like that through every dark valley, truly just like David's Psalm says, you know, God is with us. God is, if we stay connected you know i think and i've been through many black holes in my life and um sometimes i deal with you know everyone gets overwhelmed sometimes right so i think that it's going through those black holes knowing that god is with me and that staying true knowing that the drink is not the answer because if i were to drink it would be even worse it wouldn't solve any problems and i know that and believe that and also that if i were to drink um, I, I wouldn't just pick up 34 years later and have one. Um, I'd be right where I left off. And so I, I know that it's ingrained within me that that's just not the answer, but God is the answer. Yeah. And that's what's so amazing about, you know, a 12 step program is how it's just based on God and God is the only cure, which is amazing. What other disease do we have out there? And I firmly believe that alcoholism is genetic and cyclical and I broke the cycle, which is great, you know, for my, if my daughter now does not drink and I taught her never to drink since the age of two. Um, and I explained why to her. It's, uh, it's the only disease where God cures it. Well, God can cure any disease. Okay. Obviously, um, there are miracles with health all the time, but I'm saying with, there's no, there's no antibiotic. There's, there's no pill to take, um, with overcoming alcoholism and if some others cases addiction, but it's, it's focusing on God and, and it, the principles are so humbling because it's, it's okay. I am powerless. I am powerless over this, which we can, we can, you know, imbue anything we want to over that, whether it's the pandemic or having to be in our homes or, or a, a situation with a loved one or, you know, we fill in your own blank. Right. But I am powerless over this. I give it to God. And then there's this whole process where I'm like, okay, what is my responsibility in this? What are my character defects? What am I holding on to that's a resentment? Let me get all this because they can't keep all that. You can't keep it in your vessel. You know, you can't keep it in your mind. So you go through that process of just writing it out, talking to somebody you trust about it. And then it's a continual inventory every day. At the end of the day, I, you know, ask God, humbly ask God to remove, remove my shortcomings. First of all, so, okay, I'll give you these shortcomings. And then it's, um, it's every day I continue to take my inventory every day. And when I'm wrong, promptly admitting it. So there's just this, this sense of it's a spiritual enlightenment is what it leads to. And, uh, 
and then it's sharing the message, continuing yeah. to share the message with someone else. That's all really kind of, I think, based on Christian principles, you know, yeah. but they don't say that in AA because people come from different walks of life and different religions. But, sure. you know, there's through the darkness, there's always light at the end of the tunnel as long as I remain, you know, sometimes God has to carry us, but if I remain focused on God and stay sober, you know, yeah. and get through it. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. Talk a little bit about how you apply those principles and that mindset to the to the world that we find ourselves in at this moment in time. People are freaked out, rightly so. This is a very scary time. What's your advice for how, you know, how is the best way? I mean, in some respects, people may have have um, gotten away from their faith, or maybe they're not people of faith at all. What's your advice for people like that who may be truly lost in this environment? Well, I think the first thing is that this too shall pass. This will pass. I keep telling my daughter, who's a senior in college and is now going to miss her graduation ceremony and the cap and gown and the whole nine yards, and everything was just abruptly stopped. And then it's so fearful with what's happening in these numbers. It's a press conference from yesterday. It's so incredibly sobering. And, um, but this too shall pass, I think, is just to know that it's not forever. I think we can, we can gather a lot of courage from what all of our forefathers and mothers and heritage have gone through. And they, you know, we, we come from a stock of, you know, some of us were born here if we're Native American, and that's an incredible heritage. And the rest of us came over on boats and ships and and uh, are, are on the covered wagons across the trail. We're, we're a tough, true grit type of people. And I also think that remaining hopeful in, in the process, for me, it would be not picking up a drink, you know. I think if people are drinking and drugging right now, that may get really, really, really tricky. Um, um, but also for me, that's what it would be. And then staying rooted in faith. I mean, I, I do my God of the Ghost minutes every day. I make sure the first thing I do in the morning is I do not look at the news. I actually either open the Bible or open my app and I read the Bible first, you know, and then if I want to look at the news, I look at the news, and then I go out and take a walk or, you know, and then if I look at the news again, I, I go back to faith. I always try to keep it in prayer and faith. And also something that I do that really helps me because, you know, there are people out there that I deal with such situational depression sometimes where I just get overwhelmed um, and I can't go drink. And I have all these feelings and I don't know what to do with them. You know, the first thing is call somebody, you know, pray, call somebody. But, but the other thing is I just start saying the Lord's prayer over and over in my head. And that really, really helps me. And I do these God on the goes. And there was one that um, I did a couple of days ago. You want me to share the scripture with you and the, the image you know, that I did with you? I do, but I do. But before you do that, I want you to talk about what God on the go is because we haven't had a chance oh. to actually talk about that. So, so what is God on the go? Well, it's really funny because my father was Episcopalian and my mother Baptist. So they had completely different backgrounds in faith and they argued so much about where to go to church that somehow though I was raised with a Christian upbringing, you know. Um, but my, my great-grandmother on my mother's side was the pillar of the Baptist church. And uh, so it was, it was just ingrained within me. And then when I was 15, I was baptized again um, at Saginaw Baptist, a little town outside of Fort Worth. But to me, faith is, a, is like a stair step. There's always, you know, an enlightenment, various stages of enlightenment. And so my faith has been pivotal in me. I would say when I realized I was going to be raising, going to be, as my Southern, going to be raising my daughter by myself, um, that my, her, her father just walked, you know, um, that 
my faith deepened even more. And I realized, you know, I made a vow to God to be his and that he would just get us through, you know, um, not get us through because it's just been a joy with my daughter, but that, you know, it's, it's a, we were going to be without him. And right. so now God became my so-called husband and her father. And so my faith deepened even, you know, I think the more we need God, the deeper our faith becomes. And then it escalated again, I suppose, when 9-11 happened, I found it to be very, very scary. And I started a Bible study and a friend handed me a life application study Bible. And, and that really opened it up because before then I really sort of had King James, you know. Um, and uh, so I, I read the Bible in a year and that was, I guess, 2002. And after that, the Bible was just pivotal in raising my daughter. We, you know, read the Bible every day. We read daily devotions every day. And some other people I know in sobriety is like, man, I have to read like six devotionals just to get my morning going, you know, and then I gotta like do it again. But the, my faith and especially reading the Bible has just been imperative. My daughter and I have always read the Bible together and opened it up. So I used to send it out. I used to type it out every morning um, when I read it. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, why don't I just record it? Because I had a radio show myself for two and a half years. Right. And now with these apps, it's just so easy. So it's called the God on the Go Minute. And um, when I'm and now I'm reading the Bible in a year again. So so I think the first year, two years, I was just kind of going wherever, maybe going through a certain book, you know. Um, but now I'm reading the Bible in a year. But so I've kind of started up with the God that goes mid cycle here. But I'll read the Bible in the morning, and then whatever of of my daily readings, because it's in a year, so it's Old Testament, New Testament, Proverbs, you know, Psalms. Whatever I feel that God is saying to me. I will underline and then I just hit record and I say, okay, God, just speak through me. Now, I think in the past two months, I'm actually doing a little bit longer than a minute. So it's a little bit more conversational now. Um, so you can hear a little more laughter, a little more, you know, I'll read it again. I'll sort of stream of consciousness. It's maybe about three minutes, three to five minutes now, but yeah. I just do it every morning. And, and then I send it out and it goes on social media. If anyone wants to follow, you can get it via text or via email. Or it's on my social media, my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and it's all Janine Turner. Yeah, J A N I. And you can download it on iTunes or anywhere that you get your podcast as well, right? It's on. It's all that, you know. But that's what I do. I just recorded it. I recorded every morning, and I find that that's lately they've been a lot about the pandemic and how to cope with that. Yeah. No, they are. They're they're terrific. And you know, again, everybody, you know, people listening will have different points of view about all of this. But I think there's great comfort in understanding that you're part of something that's bigger than yourself. And you really do a nice job of encapsulating that. It's done in a very beautiful way. So I encourage folks to check that out, especially right now. I think it can be very powerful. Well, you know, you were. Yeah, everyone has different faiths, and so this I just share it. And whoever wants to listen, we have the saying in the twelve step program that says, "Take what you like and leave the rest." Yeah. So, somebody <laughs> wants to listen, listen to it. Um, yeah. But, uh, there was this great quote in Romans, uh, Romans eleven thirty six, for from him and through him and to him are all things, and I love that. I think that's become that's become my new sort of motto is that everything I do in my life, I try to be happy from him or any gifts I have, any talents I have, any, any, any impulse of love or anything of that's godly is from him. I need to do all that. I need to enact and execute all that through him and then give the glory back to him because it's for him. So it's like this cyclical circle from him, through him, for him. So lately that's uh, been something I just love because it also is a sense of humility. 
You, yeah. you never say, oh my God, I'm just, you know, didn't I write a, write a great thing or didn't I do this? I always try to give, give it back to God because, um, but that does not mean, you know, I'm not Pollyanna either. It doesn't mean I, I think I'm to this level of faith and sobriety because of the darkness that I've walked through. Mm -hmm. um, because of what I've, I've gone through in my life and all these, these valleys that I go through and then I have to climb out of them. And so I think that that's what makes it more dire for me to stay rooted in something like this. And I think for people that are alone at home, uh, there was this other one that I did the other day. It's Psalms and I will stop this, but Psalms 94, 22, like my roots. We all have roots now. Cause we can't <laughs> uh, I'm bending over very conscientious of my two inch roots. Uh, <laughs> when I was on the Zoom, you look at all the blondes have roots. I'm like, okay, no. This is nothing compared to what it's going to look like 30 days from now. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Two months? I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, but the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. And so in the God on the Go that I did a couple of days ago, I talked about that the stronghold. Think of it as, you know, in Texas, you know, because you're a Texan. When there's a tornado coming, we're supposed to go into the, the bathtub and hold on to the plumbing because the plumbing is, is down into the ground. So I think I thought of the stronghold of God being the stronghold as like a pole that's in the earth that goes all the way up to heaven and it's rooted in its God. And so we hold on to that. So I think whenever we feel anxiety, a lot of times people feel anxiety and they feel free floating, you know, or, or they, some people may really be cooped up in really dangerous situations, you know, with addicts and alcoholics. And those can be very dangerous situations for people. Um, and just to hold on to that, that pole, you know, that stronghold. And when my daughter, I listened to it, she liked the rock as my refuge because we can think of a, a rock that's sturdy or a cave that we're in that encompasses us and protects us. So, yeah. you know, I think things like that may, may help people get through it. And as far as when people are having to deal with the death of the situation, you know, the one I did today, I believe is on timelessness and about how there is no time with God and God is eternal. And I lost my father in 2014 and talk about another big challenge. I was very close with my father and I didn't get to say goodbye. And all these people now that are having to, to say goodbye to their loved ones or they can't, or they're doing it by walkie talkie. It's just so incredibly devastating. So for the people who lost someone, what do you say about that? Except that I lost my father and it's just, it took me about a year, you know, um, to kind of grapple with it. But I, I, I think that it's, in regard to that, it's just the eternal aspect of life, you know, that there is an eternity. And I certainly felt my father greatly after he passed. And, and so I, I think that there's, as Christians especially, you know, we can rest in that, that there's life after death, there's eternal quality. A lot, a lot of religions believe that. I think that at some level. So I yeah. think that the, the eternal timelessness is what we can hold on to in time. Yeah. Like Absolutely. So you use your talents, many, many talents in all of these incredible ways. And, and the other way I really want to talk about today is with an organization called Constituting America that you co-founded along with my friend, Kathy Gillespie, who was our guest on episode 40, I believe, if she said, she said podcast back a couple of years ago when we first started. But talk a little bit about Constituting America. What is it? What are you trying to accomplish? And where this idea you know, ultimately came from? How did you have this amazing idea? I, I think it started, and this is the power of education and what teachers can do. Um, so I, I also believe, you know, supposedly I'm related to George Washington through his grandfather, which is oh. super cool. Wow. Um, his grandfather, or we shared the same, you know, ancestors through his grandfather, which is like, oh, wow, that's super cool. But I've always, when I was 
in third grade, I, my father was a West Pointer. Uh, he was from Athens, Texas, but attended West Point Military Academy, and graduated back in 57, class of 57, you could do Air Force Army. So he's one of the first to fly twice the speed of sound in the 1960s. And, um, but I remember looking at my father saying, Dad, if our family fathers were to come back today, what would they be most disappointed about? <laughs> what, what third grader asked that question, right? And my father thought about it. And, you know, this, is, this is one of these things that's just so, you know what he said? It's just crazy too that I remember this moment. What did he say? He said, taxes. <laughs> but, you know, my dad was a man of few words, right? It's like a fish that was about to get caught. Anyway, then my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Ingram, um, I was in a small school in Fort Worth. You, yeah, in the past, you were cows roaming around. I loved this school. My fifth grade was my first year in the school. And it was his first year as a teacher. And so he spent the entire year prepping us and, and rehearsing with us the play, the musical 1776. Wow. And if you haven't seen it, I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. Um, make sure you watch it with your family on July 4th. It's a wonderful musical from the 70s. They did it around the bicentennial era. And John Adams, and it brings all the founding fathers to life in a musical. And, and I played uh, Thomas, Jeff uh, Thomas Jefferson's wife, and so it, it, Martha, and I sang a little song. And so that really is a wonderful way to, to, to uh, connect the arts with history. Mm -hmm. And it was, had a lasting, lasting impact. And then I guess around 20, 2009, um, I just had this, you know, I believe all these things come from God. It's a little tap on the shoulder. And I love our country and I love, I believe in our founding fathers, genius and our founding documents and the lack of knowledge. And I just picked up the phone and called Kathy Gillespie. So we need to start a foundation, you know, about the constitution. And I remember I was at the grocery store with my daughter getting, you know, I had a can of beans in my hand or something. And, you know, God bless Kathy Gillespie because uh, we did it. And within the first three months, we had launched a 90 day study for adults to learn about the documents, breaking it down line by line. We had a contest that we launched with the arts, poetry, artwork, short film, songs, PSA, all this. We went on a five to 6,500 mile road trip in a dilapidated um, trailer, whatever, RV that with the word refrigerator door kept falling off. And we, we went to every state from California zigzagging around up to New York to interview these winners and do a doc. We had a documentary in the schools by uh, September 17th, which is Constitution Day. So it's just been a ride since then, 10 years. And I, what I say about Kathy Gillespie is, you know, an eagle, it takes a left wing and a right wing to fly. And I always joke that I have all these ideas and I, without Kathy, I would just be flapping my wing, you know, and I wouldn't be able to fly. You know, she's the great administrator and, and brings these, I call it with all these ideas and, and it just wouldn't be happening without Kathy. So we're yeah. a great team. We're, we're best friends, we're like soul sisters, and it's, it, it's been a wild ride. But when we get together with these kids, these winners, and now we're doing Zooms, this is coming out of, I used to give speeches, I still will, but I give speeches into schools. But now with Zoom, we're just inviting people all over the country to come join. And you know, on Mondays, I'm teaching my, what I teach the kids about empowering them, the Constitution empowers them, which we can get to in a minute, which I really would love to talk about. But, but then now I'm bringing the kids in, and they're talking, two of our ambassadors, the National Youth Director and one of our ambassadors are 16 years old. All, and we had a wonderful uh, Zoom on Saturday where our winners came back from eight years ago, 10 years ago. See, they're still on our youth board, they're still with us. And all these kids were talking about, you know, how they won the contest and how it's changed their lives and how they're still with us. 
So now I'm bringing the kids and students uh, to actually be a part of this. And yesterday we talked about the pandemic and the constitution. Every Monday I'm actually going to give the quiz, which talks about the constitution, how it empowers you. And then Saturday nights now we're going to be doing something fun. This, this, uh, we're gonna mirror our 90 day study that's happening right now. So we're gonna talk about the Morse code and how important that was in America. And then now we're bringing the kids in so they can ask questions too. And anyone who worries about the millennials or the Z generation, they can join us and just see uh, these two students that come in, they'll, they'll be greatly encouraged. Yeah, so the ultimate goal though is to educate the population about the Constitution and the founding fathers and the founding principles ultimately, right? Why was this something that was, that so struck you that the need was there? Obviously the need is there, but what was it? Like you mentioned God tapping you on the shoulder, but was there a, was there a moment or an experience or something that you saw that really was like, oh my gosh, I have to do something about this? What the constitution does is it protects our rights and that we're born with. And, and I think that what happens is in the classroom today, they are so overwhelmed with toss tests and things they have to teach them that they don't have time or, or they they're up against this sort of political factor where they they feel that it's not hip and cool they're swimming upstream um the constitution is something a lot of people think limits them and they don't like it anymore and actually what i very firmly believe is that they gave us this foundation and i always tell the kids like building a house you know the foundation the concrete and they gave us this concrete with these amazing limits to power and i go i'll walk all through this with them uh legislative executive and judicial and that with the amendment process they gave us the ability to build the house you know and so with the amendments we we put up the wood and the windows and the roof and so there is a window where we can change what we don't like but we don't have to throw the entire thing away and also i think that if the teachers teach because of time if they teach at all by rote or they teach them it's not any good anymore i mean law schools they, they just crucify it you know they just say it's this old thing and you know but actually it's so it empowers people and that's what i teach these kids whether they're fifth grade sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade you know i've given over 400 of these speeches now i say i'm going to empower you the government isn't something that just happens up there in washington dc it's something that you can do right now and i talk about the tools in their toolbox which is the first amendment and so I said, instead of running to the street going, ah, and people interview, why are you here? I don't know, everybody else is here, yeah. And I teach them to start with a petition. And I actually have the kids write a pit, ask them what they want to change in their neighborhood. And you know, it's really interesting. Kids will say, too many potholes, it's too dark. They should be smoking pot on the street. Um, we need a, a swimming pool. Um, there's too much violence. They're stealing out of our cars. And you know, it's, it's a lot of these kids that are in these type of areas who feel so hopeless. And, and a lot of, but even people today that are in, in other kinds of neighborhoods think that they're just one person and the government's so big. So what I do is empower them that that's, you write that petition. So I'll say, what do you want to change? Then to use their speech to talk about it, then to call the press to get more info about it then to plan their assembly so they're orderly it's not mob passion it's because we're a nation of laws and then i teach them how to call their representative in their area that they can't even get to the president and i in closing i also teach them that everyone wants to vote for the president every four years male female Democrat, whatever but the president he or she is not this powerful figure and yet millions show up for that but they don't show up for the representatives every two years 
and that's the person they can actually talk to that's there for them. So that teaches them about government being right there in their neighborhood. It's just a fantastic thing. I love it. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing. And you, you have such tremendous creativity in terms of the types of ways in which you're engaging these kids. So there's songs and poetry, which I know is a big love, has historically been a big love of yours. And it's also national, what is it, National Poetry Month this month? <laughs> I think starting today, did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> poetry and song and they act them out and they do PSAs and there's all these interesting things that you're clearly bringing this creativity that you have assembled over your lifetime because you've been engaged in the creative arts in all these different ways, I think is so magical. It's such an interesting way of presenting subject matter that I think sometimes kids say, oh, well, that's boring. It's not. It's the opposite of boring. And it's so incredibly important. And we've, we've opened it to STEM, too. So they create apps for us or polls. Or the, you know, they do things of that nature. But one of the things that we do that no one else does is when we take them on these trips, which because we know Kathy Gillespie, they're having private tours of the White House. And I did get them into the State Department this year, private tour of the State Department. But Kathy got them into the, the, uh, the Supreme Court. And she got Chief Justice John Roberts to come in and speak to them for 50 minutes. Okay. So they have this amazing trip. But we bring in mentors in their actual field, whether they love the, the singing or directing or whatever, whatever it might be. We bring in Gary Sinise or Vince Gill or, you know, major producers of, of all the Chronicles of Narnia. And we bring them in to mentor them. And they all talked about this last Saturday is how it's really helped propel their careers as well, because we want them to be thinking about the constitution as they get older and go into their careers to pivot it, to, bring, to take that with them because it's really through the culture where you're going to affect people, you know, and so that's, that's one of the things. But we, then we hire companies to promote their works. So we hire a music entity out of uh, Nashville and their songs, whether they're rap, pop, country, have been on the radio millions and millions of times. And then their PSAs, we hire a company to get them on the TV, the televisions, and they've been on millions and millions of times over hundreds and hundreds of television stations. So you're seeing the kids not Madison Avenue, you know, we didn't hire, the kids are doing it and their works are being promoted. So it encourages them on a professional level, but then also on a, on a level of, of the constitution. Yeah, together. it's amazing. It's really amazing. You mentioned this notion of taking these concepts with them, they learn them, they take them with them, uh, you know, across their life. When you think about this notion of impact and because this is She Said, She Said podcast and we're, we're talking about women with women about issues that affect us as women, political engagement, civic engagement is a big, big issue. Right now in the US Congress, we have, I believe, 23, almost 24% is made up of women, but that's a far cry from the 50% of the population that we make up. How much of this do you see as potentially having an impact on things like that, on engagement by you know, women and men, but particularly women? Well, we have some amazing uh, young women that have won this contest that I, I feel certain one of them will rule the world someday, if not the United States. <laughs> I think that it's a, it's a continuation. I've written a book about strong, courageous women throughout history called Holding Her Head High. It was published by Thomas Nelson and it's available on Amazon and whatnot. I've written a Broadway play over one of them. It's, it's just slow and steady. We keep growing and infiltrating ourselves into the community as leaders. It's been a slow process. I mean, oh my gosh, Hollywood, can I, what, it's, what it was like when I started in 1980 in Hollywood, you wanna talk? <laughs> you know, and it's still hard. 
I mean, if two young men walk in and say, hey, I've written a screenplay and I want to direct it, they'll go, yeah. If I walk in, even, you know, a couple of years ago, I've been trying to get this movie produced. It was all women. We were sitting around the table. I'm like, well, uh, who's the man? And they felt very secure there wasn't a man involved, you know? So I, I still think it's very different for women. Um, but I think it's changing. We're starting to see we need more women to represent us most definitely in Congress, in, in the judicial branches, and as president someday. And I, I, think it's, I think it's slowly happening. I think it's a little difficult for women, though, with children. Um, you know, I think that, that's the trick. Uh, but women are still feel the pull to, we have our careers and whatnot, but we really want to raise our children. And, and to be a congresswoman or a senator uh, takes infinite amounts of time. So I think that's why we see women who are a little, little um, further along in their journey of life when they yeah. finally have the kids go out and do that type of thing. So if you had to articulate what you hope the biggest impact will be from constituting America, what would that be? When I'm finished a lot of the time, uh, because it's, it's a 45 minute hour, hour and a half, you know, and it's really Socratic. I, I let them talk. I ask them questions. We have communication. My hope is that they realize that the constitution because of the checks and balances um and how and that they need to know those so that they know with these representatives that swear to protect it you know because it protects us that they don't know what's in it they won't know if they're being told the truth it's very important that they know but it's those checks and balances that pre that preserve those rights that are the tools in their toolbox and i think the one thing i want them to feel is they matter and they they have power in this country and they have a choice. Do I sit, I joke about the lazy boy chair, you know, that the squeaky wheel gets the grease and we kind of walk through that. And I said, I have a lazy boy chair right there and I get in and I don't want to get out of it. And so are we going to stay in the lazy boy chair and say, yeah, I won't make a difference or I can't, who am I? I want them to feel they matter, they're empowered in the constitution. And even the declaration declares that, you know, there are, by through our creator, we are born with these rights, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and Abraham Lincoln said that was the golden apple right there, and the Constitution just protects that. So my hope is they realize that they're important, that the government isn't so big that they still can't make, create a movement to start to change something. They, it still is we the people if we, if we know how to utilize it and work it. And I think most kids aren't learning that. They're learning, oh, checks and balances and the three branches of government, check, 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 moving on to the next subject. They don't realize that what's going on up there is they're not supposed to just be conspiring. They're supposed to be doing what people in their own neighborhoods want or what they want, that they hire them with their vote, they fire them with their vote, and they pay for them with their salary. So I hope they feel empowered and, and realize that they matter and they learn that the Constitution empowers them. It doesn't limit them because everyone thinks the, you know, this new mantra that the Constitution limits them. It limits government but it empowers them. And the, the, what happens is many times after I finish, kids will say, one, one time we didn't have enough sunglasses as prizes. And one kid said, um, I'm gonna do what Ms. Turner did and write a petition, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then that happened in another class. They were talking about uh, some heavy topic and, and then the next day they said, well, I'm gonna do what Ms. Turner says and write a petition. <laughs> so that, that's what I hope. And then yeah. they'll teach it to their friends and they'll teach it to their children and that it's, and we keep it very nonpartisan, completely nonpartisan, um, because it didn't exist when the Constitution was written. George Washington felt the party system could be the demise of America because people care more, more about their party than about being an American. And 
you know, we have our passions. We have to give those up. But I talk with the kids about finding the 5% where they can start a conversation with someone by just finding where they agree on that 5%, that that's what America's all about. We come from all these different cultures all over the world. We started, you know, we talked about earlier, we started, we have Native Americans here, but then we migrated forever for all over. So why do we expect everybody to think the same? But we're in this stage of mind where if you don't think exactly the way I think, then you're just wrong. And you need to think the way I think. But if we're from all these different countries and cultures, why do we think that? But the great thing about America is the common ground that we're able to find for the better purpose, which yeah. is I think what we're doing right now to come full circle with this pandemic. I think people are putting a lid on the politics. They're wanting to say things, but they're really not. They're realizing that it's about love and hope and coming together. And that's truly the great American spirit right there. Yeah, you're doing so much to make the world a better place and to to help people understand better about the founding and why these principles are so important. So really appreciate it. Before I let you go, we ask everyone who comes on, she said, she said for a single piece of advice or maybe it's a life hack or a mantra, something that you tell yourself. If you had to boil it down to one thing that's kind of your North Star, what would that be? Oh my gosh. Um... Well, first would be this plaque. Hang on, I'll show you. <laughs> this was from my great-grandmother, um, who was the pillar of the Baptist church. See it? It's actually broken so many times. And I would go to her house, and she would say, everybody take something, you know, take something. And this is a yellow rose of Texas, because she was in Texas. But it says, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Um, so, you know, that God is always with us. Also... I can't remember exactly where the scripture comes from, but essentially God says, you know, my purpose will be fulfilled um, through you. And so my daughter and I would always pray and say, God, I hope that we accomplish your purpose and succeed in the things for which you sent us. So I would say that I, you know, I fail at this every day, <laughs> you know, um, but I just pick myself back up and try not to beat myself up for it and keep trying and saying, okay, my, what is my purpose? Why, why am I here? And may I accomplish the purpose of why God sent me? And to try to keep that communication open so I can hear what he's trying to tell me. Yeah, it's beautiful. Janine, thank you so much. I really thank appreciate you for it. what you're doing. Thank you for your show. Thank Good you. for you. Thank you. She said, she said. That's wonderful. Oh, uh, this has been so great. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank God for modern communication. Look at I know. Website. All right. To learn more about Janine Turner, check out the show notes for this episode, episode 95. I'll include links to Constituting America, as well as to Janine's terrific podcast, God on the Go. As always, folks, thanks so much for listening and for being part of this growing and vibrant She Said, She Said community. I really appreciate it. I love hearing from you and hope you'll continue to send your feedback and your thoughts. Until then, be safe and be well and take good care of yourself.